When hundreds of pounds of pasta mysteriously appear in a park, the mainstream media says, we know who did it. But are they just part of this cover-up? And then we meet two boys who are getting ready to have a sleepover at Grandma's house. It's going to be a lot of video games, eating pizza, staying up late, and a haunting vision that will scar a man forever. And then we go to Alton Towers, the premier theme park of England. There's roller coasters, rides, cotton candy, as far as the eye can see, and shape-shifting mothers. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun out there in the world doing whatever you're doing. I hope it's great. Speaking of greatness, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our legacy Patreon supporters. Everyone get on your feet and give a round of applause for the entire X-Board. Woohoo! Yeah! Wee! Yeah! Come on in here, X-Board! Do some cartwheels, since you're already in the shape of a cartwheeling person. X-Board, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode today. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. I really do just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That's another way you can help the show grow. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know that Dead Rabbit is your favorite podcast. <laughs> Even if it isn't, you're like, it's not my favorite. I do enjoy it. But tell them, and then lie to them. Lie to them and say it's your favorite. Export, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command, drive us all the way out to New Jersey. (laughs) Nice leisurely drive across the country. I'm actually doing this story super short notice because this one's driving me nuts. It's It's actually kind of making me mad, but not in the way you might expect. First off, I want to give a shout out to... Own the monkeys, pwn the monkeys, however you pronounce that, on the Patreon Discord. He was the first one to post this in the Discord. Really, really appreciate it. Really appreciate all recommendations. If you don't know what's going on, a couple days ago, this story popped up in the news. In New Jersey, there's a town called Old Bridge. Apparently, Old Bridge, it's in Middlesex County in New Jersey. What has happened, and, 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 okay, so let me just tell, I'll tell you the story and then I'll tell you why it irritates me. People in the area have discovered in this kind of wooded area called Veterans Park. It's over by the Irsick Brook area. If you want to go explore for yourself, well, there's nothing to explore now, but what's been reported in the past couple of days is anywhere between 200 to 500 pounds of cooked pasta has mysteriously appeared in massive piles in this park. And there's photographs of this. This isn't just some... I'm not taking someone's word for it. There's photographs of these huge piles of pasta. 200 to 500 pounds. Cooked pasta. And I remember seeing these articles and... I could feel the rage welling up in me. And then here's why, Jason. You're like, what? I thought you loved pasta. I do. I love pasta. Why am I so mad? Because I was looking at this stuff. This might be the most misplaced anger. You're like, Jason, this really isn't anything to get worked up about. I see this article. The first time it pops up, 500 pounds of pasta deposited over several days. Different types of pasta. 
from the cool pasta like spaghetti noodles to like the gross corkscrew ones, all that gross nastiness. The original reports were 500 pounds deposited over a series of days. People kept finding these huge mounds of pasta. And if you look at the early report, I'm treating this with the same gravitas as 9-11 was an inside job. When you look at the early reports, people are like, it's being deposited over several days. Hundreds of pounds of pasta. And the cleanup crews are like, it's gone immediately. Cleanup crews are cleaning it up immediately because they're afraid the pH levels in this cooked pasta, if it gets into the water supply, it could hurt the brook. Even though it's called Iron Sick Brook, we don't want people getting sick from it. We're cleaning this up immediately. And the whole time I'm reading these articles, I'm stroking my beard and I'm like, they're going to cover this up. They're going to cover up pasta. They're going to cover up the pasta mystery. I knew it. Now the media is like, we solved it. We have the riddle of where this pasta came from. Apparently, with zero sourcing, they don't give out anyone's names, no addresses, nothing we can double check. I want driver's license photos, ladies and gentlemen. They go, we know where the pasta came from. There was a military veteran whose mother died, and he was moving out of the house, and (laughs) the mom had 500 pounds of pasta in her house, and... He wanted to get rid of it, so he took... Don't don't ask who this veteran is. We're not going to tell you his name. He's gone. He's gone. He moved to Canada. You'll never see him again. A military veteran took 200 to 500... Because see, now the number's lower. Now they're like, no, it was just 200 pounds. But 200 to 500 pounds of pasta. He took it out of his house, unseen by anybody, apparently. Dumped it in this field over the course of days. And then left town. And why did he have so, why did he have 500 pounds of pasta? They interviewed this guy and he's like, well, you know, sometimes like older people like to hoard. (laughs) That's the thing that older people are known for doing, hoarding pasta. He goes, you know, my grandma always liked to have a couple cans of soup. Case closed. Case closed. This man, this mother, whoever initially bought the pasta had shelving capable of holding 500 pounds of it. He was able to, because remember, this has been a mystery for like a week. He was able to sneak it out of his house and dump it. Oh, and here's the thing. They go, it wasn't cooked. That was our mistake. He dropped all the pasta. There's no pasta boxes, by the way. The pasta just appeared in the bushes. There's not next to it a bunch of cardboard boxes of said pasta or even like plastic bags or how you would buy pasta. It wasn't cooked. That was the rain soaking into the pasta to simply make it cooked. So case closed, everyone. Nobody ask any more questions about the pasta. This is my... I honestly believe... I don't have any proof. I have as much proof as these guys, though. That's not the answer. This pasta came from somewhere else. And the government wants to cover it up. The government, someone made a phone call and said, come up with a cover story. Come up with any cover story you can. The residents of New Jersey know. The world cannot know that pasta is just appearing in the bushes. This is a national crisis. We've run a map. Within the next 48 hours, half of the eastern seaboard will be covered in pasta. So get rid of the story right now. Get rid of the story. As the president's on his helicopter, he's flying away. He's like, oh, those roofs, they can deal with the pasta invasion. We're going to an underground facility in a mountain range. 
I don't think it was a military veteran who hauled 200 to 500 pounds of pasta, dumped it. Then think about it. He had to take all of the packaging home. Even if they bought it and I don't think he carried out like 500 boxes of name brand pasta in the boxes. But what about if he if they bought it and bought? I don't believe the story. I don't believe the story at all. It holds zero weight. Unlike the 500 pounds that he would have to haul out to dump in the woods. And the fact that they cleaned it up so quickly. I mean, sure, good job. Good job cleaning crews out there. Um, isn't this... Aren't we the same country that had a train on fire for like two days as a, a toxic cloud shot above a whole city? That's fine. But we got to take care of this pasta. Well, they're chasing pasta. Pasta is a little easier to clean up than toxic fumes, right? But still, I, I'm i not necessarily saying we're on the verge of a pasta-based invasion. But I'm, I don't think that that story is true either. I don't think that this guy was somehow hauling out all of this pasta. And the reason why they should tell us his name, they would tell us his name if he was a litter bug. Like, you can read all sorts of articles about people who are littering in people's yards, doing weird stuff. It's a crime. You can't just dump two, even 200 pounds of garbage. So where's the mugshot? I'm not saying this guy needs to go to jail, but you know what I mean? You can find wacky articles about people who dump this, that, or the other thing in their neighbor's yard. And this goes to other stories we've covered that we've never had answers. We covered a story about the one day the police found, like, a giant puddle of blood. It was like... Just sitting in the middle of a parking lot. A massive puddle of blood. And the cops are like, we don't know where it came from. We covered a story about a desiccated human heart that was found at like a gravel facility. They thought it was a rock at first. And then they're like, nope, that's a human heart. Most rocks aren't squishy and bloody. And it was like desiccated from the salt content. So I don't think that it's just pasta. I don't believe the media story on this one. <laughs> Jason, whether or not you believe it, and you're, that's fine. It's not that big of a deal. It may not be. It may just be, we talked about the empty spot last week. There could be an empty spot in a kitchen somewhere in Italy, and he's like, oh, mamma mia, I dropped, I dropped another 500 pounds of pasta. He's carrying a big pot. They're like, hey, uh, maybe you shouldn't put 500 pounds of pasta in one pot. Uh, you do seem to have trouble lifting that, and you keep you keep dropping it into an alternate universe. He's like, ah, oh, mamma mia, who's gonna manja now? I don't believe, I don't believe the mainstream media, but case closed, right? That'll be the end of it. A unnamed military veteran cleaning out his dead mom's house. They're like, how dare you question this story, sir? He served the country. I was like, oh, sorry. Military veteran cleaning out his dead mom's house disposes of 200 to 500 pounds of pasta. I don't buy it. I don't buy the, I don't buy the official story. But I don't know what the answer is. But anyways, it's, it's bugging me. This, this story's been bugging me. I was actually planning on doing it next week. And I was just looking at some news articles before I started recording. I was like, no, nah, I gotta get this. I gotta get this off my plate. It's gonna make me madder and madder. I can't wait. The entire export, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys of the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. Let's float away from this horrific government cover-up. We're doing our best to expose the truth. Take us up, up, and away out of here and fly us all the way out to Grandma's house. 
you're, you're, you're eating some pasta and slapping it out of your hand. You're like, don't insult me, sir. I don't want this is this is now a not pasta friendly podcast. Actually, now I think about it, it's not the pasta's fault, right? It's the media and the government's fault. You're like, Jason, it's not even theirs. It's just some weird mystery. I okay. I'll just stop talking about it. I'll have to stop talking about it. I got other stuff to go. It bugs me though. It bugs me, and we'll never know the truth. We'll never know the truth. We'll never know who truly blew up the Georgia Guidestones. And we'll never know where the pasta really came from. Cleaned it up suspiciously fast. We're headed all the way out to Grandma's house. We don't have an exact location for this story or a time period. But we're about to meet two kids. The person who posted this story, we're going to go ahead and call him Bobby. And he said he was about 9 to 10 years old when this story happened. And he's going to be hanging out with a friend. We'll call him Austin. Bobby and Austin. And Austin's been invited over to hang out with Bobby at Bobby's grandma's house. Be like, hey, Austin, this Friday night when school's out, why don't you come over? We'll play video games. <laughs> I don't know why he sounds like a goblin, why he sounds like he's going to trick Austin into doing something evil. Hey, Austin, come and hang over at my grandma's house. We're going to play video games and eat pizza and, and have ice cream. And I'll grant you three wishes, but they'll turn out to be horrendous. And Austin's like, what? Nah, never mind about that part. Bobby goes, let's have a sleepover at my grandma's house. And they do. They play video games all day long, and eventually it's time for bed. So, lights off, click. They both crawl into the same bed, and they're laying there. And Bobby said, I sleep with my bedroom door open. This is something that kids do. Usually gives them a sense of safety, because they know their parents are right. Down the corner, or in this case, their grandmother. It doesn't really help, technically. Like, we've covered stories where ghosts can actually make it so you can scream as loud as you want, no one can hear you. And having your door open just means it's easier for the knife-wielding maniac to find you. So, so it's a false sense of security both ways. But Bobby and Austin don't know that. They're kids. They're both sleeping... Catching some Z's, dreaming of beating the next level of Sonic when they wake up in the morning. Well, Bobby wakes up in the middle of the night. <laughs> he's all sweaty. He's all running in his sleep. It's like, look at me, guys. I'm as fast as Sonic. He wakes up. He's dripping sweat. He wakes up and he hears something in the hallway. And he sits up in his bed. He looks over. Austin is fast asleep. He's hearing something moving down the hallway towards the room. And that's when he sees, in the darkness, his grandmother crawling down the hallway. So, like, <laughs> let me just, I don't want to, let's savor that moment for a second. I don't want to speed past that. That's a pretty shocking part. He looks, so he's just sitting in his bed and he's looking only at the hallway that he can see from the bedroom door. Just that small, small portion. And he sees his grandmother crawling on her hands and knees past the door, which obviously would be shocking, right? Um, anybody, anybody crawling in the middle of the night down your hallway could be Richie Rich. You could be anybody, right? doesn't have to be a creepy grandma. But he sees, well, and we'll get to the creepy part. Maybe she's a lovely woman, but not in the middle of the night. Not when she's crawling around. He's She's crawling down the hallway. He can only see that little portion you know, out the door, which is what maybe like, Two or three feet. And then she turns. 
And she looks directly at him. And Bobby goes, it was what he would describe as a demonic version of his grandmother. He said that she had demonic eyes and long hair. Which, she doesn't have long hair. (laughs) I should have described the grandma at first. They're like, I don't know. Maybe she always has demonic eyes. She was a normal-looking grandma before. I didn't figure I had to describe that part. She's a normal-looking grandma during the day, the rest of Bobby's life, with short hair. Much, much shorter hair. And he, he wants to specify she had different eyes. She didn't normally have demonic eyes. She's crawling down the hallway. She turns and she looks at him. Demonic eyes, long hair, and she's staring at him. And he is terrified, obviously. He's trying to wake up Austin. Wake up. Wake up, bro. I want you to get traumatized as well. I just can't share this horrible vision of myself. Austin won't wake up. Austin is not rising from his slumber. And at that point, Bobby looks back at the hallway. And the grandma's gone. Bobby lays down and he closes his eyes and he prayed until he eventually fell asleep. Just praying the whole time. So you could argue that this is a kid's like nightmare. That this kid woke up in the middle of the night and he saw this horrendous vision doesn't exist. You could also say maybe it was also some sort of creepy ghost spirit walking down the hallway. Could have been anything in between that. Figment of the imagination. All sorts of things, right? And we actually covered a story like this a couple weeks back. Where someone walked down the hallway. And I believe in that case they saw a mother crawling down the hallway. Different house. Different different stories, right? Two different stories. But this story has a bit of a twist to it. And that story, if I remember correctly, the kid... Totally freaked out, and the parents are like, no, it was just your imagination, you must have been having a nightmare, or something like that. In this case, the next day, and I'll put that episode in the show notes, but in this case, the next day, Bobby asked the grandma, hey, uh, this might sound super weird, but you kind of terrified me last night. I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw you and I don't know, maybe it was a dream, maybe it was my imagination, it felt totally real, but I saw you crawling down the hallway and it scared me, it totally scared me. And the grandma goes, yeah, that was me. I was, I did that. I was crawling down the hallway in the middle of the night. And he's like, wait, what? And the grandma admits to the story. She says, what happened was Don't worry about it. I was walking down the hallway in the middle of the night and I dropped my glasses. So I bent down and got on all fours to pick up my glasses and then went to bed. So don't worry about it, Bobby. Everything is okay. Here's the interesting thing about that. Now the story makes even less sense to him. If he could argue it was an imagination or a dream, That would be the best outcome. But she goes, no, I was crawling down the hallway in the middle of the night, but I just was picking up my glasses, then I put them on and I left. He goes, it it was, it looked like my grandma, but my grandma didn't have long hair. She doesn't have demonic eyes. Why 
if you lost your glasses walking down a dark hallway, you just bend over and pick them up. <laughs> Grandmas, I'm not a grandma myself, but I imagine, <laughs> I imagine getting on all fours is more difficult and crawling around for a grandma than it is to simply bend over and pick up a pair of glasses. It doesn't make sense. The story actually is more terrifying because it, when I read it now, I think the grandma knows what's really going on in that hallway. And she's trying to cover it up. <laughs> much like the media, much like the media is trying to cover up the Boston story. She knows there's something evil in the hallway. And honestly, that evil thing may be her. She may be transforming into something at night, or something could be impersonating her, this darker, demonic version of her. She could have easily have said, it was just your imagination, it was just a nightmare. But she confirmed that she was in the hallway at that time, that she was crawling around, but he goes, it doesn't make sense. It looked like her, but it was different. And in that case, why, if she, if, if, if you were a grandma crawling down a dark hallway in the middle of the night, and you looked into a room... And you saw your grandson terrified in bed. Wouldn't you say something? You'd be like, don't worry, honey. I'm not a, I'm not a demon. I'm just looking for my glasses. He's all peeing his pants. She's like, I'll wash the bed sheets tomorrow. And you find your glasses and put them on. You don't just lock, eye, you don't lock eyes with your terrified grandson until he looks away. And then you scurry off. I think she's part of this cover-up. It's creepy because I don't know what the answer is. If she is the demon or if she knows there's something in her house. But either way, she's not telling the full story. The easiest answer would have just been, it was just your imagination. Because obviously I don't have demonic eyes and I don't have long hair. But instead she acknowledged that she was in the hallway at that time. But the, the alibi actually makes it more suspicious. And I'm wondering... If both of these stories, even though they're not related, I wonder geographically how close they are to each other. This story was posted anonymously online by someone who goes by the name Lil JR7. So it could be anywhere in the world where it's happening, but I'm curious if those two stories are close. Because they they don't talk to each other. They don't reference each other's stories. I think they're two separate accounts of two very, very similar incidents, but again, they could literally be within the same city and not know each other. That's a cool thing about doing this show, is putting those connections together. The entire export, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous Carpenter Copter. Take us out of this house. And fly us all the way out to jolly old England. Specifically, we're going to Staffordshire, England. And I hope you guys brought some cash with you. Because we're about to visit a theme park, a British theme park called Alton Towers. And you're like, all right, dude, this is totally awesome. You're like pulling out your wallet. You're like, look, I'm buying 10 tickets. I'm just me and my 10 imaginary friends. I'm a lunatic. And we're like, okay, yeah, sorry for bringing that guy. He also can't do math. If he only bought 10 tickets, his friends get in and he's stuck outside. But the rest of us, the rest of us sane people, we just buy one ticket. We head into Alton Towers. Now, I've never been to this theme park. And I hate roller coasters. I find them too spooky. They don't interest me. They look far too dangerous. Well, Alton Tower, you, you figure like there's a certain level of danger with all these theme park rides. But Alton Towers, they have a roller coaster that's all made of wood. 
called, you know, that's fine. Most the old time roller coasters were made of wood. This one's called The Wicker Man, which if you know anything about British culture, British films, that the, the movie was about a man who investigates this tiny little rural town. And in the end, they build a wooden effigy of a man and put this investigator in it and burn him alive. So pardon me for not wanting to be on a roller coaster that's named after something that burns to the ground and kills everyone inside of it. You know, I think I'm good. They, you go, you're Jason, you're being extreme. Alton Towers has been around for decades. But, um, you know, every theme park has its accidents. They have a roller coaster. Everyone in Britain knew I was getting into this. They're like, oh, is he going to talk about the Smiler? They have a roller coaster called the Smiler, and the logo is creepy. It's like these crazy eyes, like someone's being hypnotized with this giant rictus grin, Cheshire Cat-esque, at best, Joker-like, at worst. It's a roller coaster called the Smiler had a huge accident one day, because apparently the guys who run in the park was like, the Smiler's our biggest attraction. We got to run it all the time, make it as fast as it goes and less prep time in between rides. And they're like, that sounds really dangerous. Boss is like, just do it. Well, they did it. And there was a accident with this roller coaster. A bunch of people got horribly injured. And the two people in front, they each had to have one leg amputated, which I guess you know, in the scheme of things, isn't the worst thing that could happen to you. You could have had your head decapitated, but two of them had one leg removed. And a lot of people are like, I don't want to go on the Smiler. Like, it's still a pretty popular attraction. But, you know, other people, people who, you know, read the newspaper and understand physics and remember things go, you know what? Uh, let's, let's try this one. Let's try this one called the Wicker Man. That sounds nice. They also have a, this is so funny. So this theme park has existed for a long time, but apparently it like popped up in the middle of the suburbs. So they've been getting, they've been getting sued every time they come out with a new roller coaster. There's, it's basically like 50 more people screaming every 10 minutes. So the neighbors try suing the, the theme park and they keeps going to court and the judge is like, it's a theme park. Like, what are we supposed to do? However, there was one lawsuit that was successful. There's a roller coaster, or it's more like a ride called Oblivion. Again, these are horrible names. Like, it's kind of cool, but that's obliteration. I don't want to be on a ride that promises to send me to the realm of nothingness. It's the first vertical drop roller coaster. So I guess it is a roller coaster, but it goes up and then it just drops down at 68 miles an hour at an almost 90 degree angle. Also, when you got to the top of the roller coaster, there was this PA system that would shout out, don't look down. And then you would drop at 68 miles an hour. And the neighbors, <laughs> the neighborhood successfully got that shut off. Because basically every 10 minutes you're sitting in your house, every 10 minutes from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. at night, you would hear, don't look down. <laughs> you would just say it over and over and over again trying to <laughs> you're just trying to go about your life dude that would that's like 
Or that's like stuff they do in Guantanamo Bay. Like, you just couldn't deal with it. Every, whatever it was, seven to ten minutes, every time this ride was running, don't look down at me. And the judge was like, okay, okay, this lawsuit is successful. You can't broadcast. Like, it was super loud. But anyways, that's the, that's Alton Towers. That's Alton. It's very famous park over there. And that's where we're starting this story. That was just all stuff that I found pretty amusing when I was researching this weird paranormal event. And this story really leaves it open. I'm curious to think what you guys think this event is. There's two different, two different possibilities for it. Well, multiple possibilities, but two main ones. This is weird. We're about to meet a young woman. We're going to go ahead and call her Maggie. It's her 17th birthday. And she goes, Mom, you know what I would love to do for my birthday? <laughs> you know that roller coaster that chops people's legs off? I want to go to Alton Towers for my birthday because it is this big theme park. And Mom's like, yeah, sure, let's go. And Maggie said, I spent the day there with my mom. I had my cell phone out. We were taking tons of photos. We had so much fun at the park. Now, she does say, and she doesn't go into detail. This is private, I understand. But it may be give us a key to what's happening at the end of the story. But she goes, unfortunately, the day was cut short because of medical issues. <laughs> Not having a leg. She's like, oh, I shouldn't have gone on that ride. She goes, the, the day was cut short because of medical issues, but I feel like we had a good time and we had a lot of fun there. She does make that statement. But what happens is they spend their time at the park and she... Maggie wants to go on the Smiler. And her mom says, uh, no, this, there was a big accident on this ride. It's been etched into the memory of everyone who read the newspaper that day. I'll stand in line with you, but I'm not going to go on the Smiler. So there, she stands in line. Maggie gets on the Smiler. Gets off. She's totally fine. But the whole time Maggie's taking pictures of their day together. Spending time at Alton Towers on Maggie's 17th birthday. Later on, like afterwards, right? I don't know if this was a week later, month later, but a time period after the amusement park, Alton Towers, Maggie's going through her phone and she finds all these photos she took at the theme park. She's looking at all these photos she took of her and... That's not my mom. And she looks at the photo and she's gets it real close to her face and she sees a photo of her standing next to a different woman. She says that her mom, she goes, my mom has brown, medium length hair. She wears heavy makeup and lots of jewelry. But when I'm looking at this photo of me, I see standing next to me a blonde woman with very pale skin. Maybe it was just photobombed. Looks at the next photo. Normal photo, just Maggie at the park. Normal photo of something else at the park. Looks at a photo that she took in line for the Smiler where her mother stood next to her as they were in line. Her mother wouldn't ride the ride, but she stood in line with her daughter 
And Maggie looks at this picture, and this is a picture of Maggie and a blonde, pale woman standing right next to her. Right where her mother was. But her mother's not in the picture. This blonde, pale woman is instead. And she said, this wasn't in every photo. There were photos of me and my mom at Alton Towers. But in several photos, where I know I was standing with my mom, I was taking a photo of me and my mom, the photo is of me and a blonde, pale woman. There's a thing, we covered it a long time ago on the show, called Capgras Syndrome. I'll put the episode in the show notes. Where you begin to see somebody that you've known your entire life, or just simply know well, you don't recognize them anymore. You may think they're an imposter, or a a bio-clone, or android. Or you may just go, that's not my husband. Like I don't don't have any sci-fi rationale for it, but I don't recognize him. Capgras syndrome. And you could say, is that what Maggie is suffering from? When Maggie posted this online, she posted it under the name The First Ruler. A lot of people said, hey, you should look up Capgras syndrome. This is probably a case of Capgras syndrome. But like most skeptics online, they don't read the whole narrative. They don't look at all the details. They find one thing and go, oh, carbon monoxide. I saw that you live in a house. All of this paranormal events, all this stuff lying around, it's simply carbon monoxide. You don't read the whole narrative because what happens next is Maggie is super confused by this. And she consults her family members. She goes, hey guys, I know this is super weird, but me and mom went to Alton Towers the other day. And I took all these photos of me and mom, but look. And she showed the phone to members of her family. She doesn't specifically say that she showed it to her mom. But she shows it to members of her family. And her family members go, Oh, yeah, that's a nice picture of you and your mom. Maggie goes, let me see that phone. She goes, that. okay, look at, look at this one. See that one? That's supposed to be me and mom standing in line for the smiler. But look, at that's not mom. Family member looks at the phone and goes, Maggie, that's you and your mom. That's mom. Maggie said she showed the photos to several family members and they all said, that's your mom. So you go, well, that is Capgras syndrome or Capgras delusion. However, Maggie showed her phone to her friend and said, I don't know what's going on. Look at these photos of me at Alton Towers. It's me and my mom at Alton Towers. Look at this. Who's that? And the friend goes, that's some random woman. I don't know who that is. Maggie looks through a few more photos. See that? Who? Who? Tell me who's standing right next to me in line for the smiler. And the friend looks at the phone and goes, I, I don't know. That's... Are you saying that's your mom? That's not your mom. Like, you're saying... That you were at the park with your mom, but why is this woman in all these photos? And Maggie's like, that's what's so weird. I was in line with my mom, but when I take a photo, this other woman showed up. So if it was Cat Cross Delusion, the friend would also 
look at it and go, oh no, that's that is your mom. And that would mean that the something's going wrong in her in Maggie's brain. She's not able to visualize her mother anymore in a photograph. That would be Capcross. But unless her <laughs> unless her friend's also part of the delusion, it's an imaginary friend. The friend looking at the photo goes, "That's not your mom. That's some random woman." What I don't, what is going on? Are you, are, are do you think that's your mom? No, that's not. I don't think that's my mom. But people in my family say that's my mom, and they're like, "That's not your mom." And the friend's like, "That's not your mom." So you have two different people now who recognize that as not being the mother, yet you have other family members saying that it is. This is a totally weird story. Because now you have two, if it's a delusion, now at this point it's a shared delusion. There's two different ways to look at this. One is that Maggie and her friend are wrong. And the photos are of her and her mom. And her mom is brown medium length hair, heavy jewelry, heavy makeup. Her brain is processing it as a pale skinned blonde woman. And her friend's brain is processing it wrong as well. That's theory one. Theory two is that that something happened in whatever happened when she was taking these photographs, her family members are affected by it. They are looking at the picture of the blonde woman and saying, that's your mother, but that's not her mother. So I don't actually know which one's more disturbing. Again, if she took the pictures and everyone she showed them to said, that's not your mom, then we have like a strictly paranormal thing, almost like the ghost was covering up the mother in the photos. You would have a strictly, you could classify it as a haunting type story of everyone who looked at the photos said, that's not your mom. Who's that woman who you're hanging out with? You would go, this was a haunting. That was a ghost appearing in the pictures. It would be very cut and dry. It would still be an interesting story. But the answer would be paranormal. This, I don't even know how to classify it. Because if it is something like a localized Mandela effect, it's splitting a family down the middle. So it's one of those really interesting paranormal stories that, how do you classify it? Is it a haunting? Is it mental insanity? Is it some sort of localized Mandela effect where you have two different realities colliding? She doesn't specifically say it, so I imagine that her mother's still alive, and that when she sees her mother physically today, she has medium-length brown hair, heavy jewelry, heavy makeup. But has she shown the photos to her mom would be an interesting development and what does the mom say? Is mom look at it and go what i got photobombed i got photobombed by that pale woman i think the complexity of this story is one of the things that makes it kind of mind-boggling so we have so many different people looking at these photographs and having different answers and this is different than is the dress blue and gold or black and white or whatever that thing was because at the end of the day it doesn't really affect anybody But in this case, I mean, it's your mom. It's your memories. So I mean, that's huge. That's actually a fairly huge thing going on in your life because you'd want to get to the bottom of it. 
What happens the day that you wake up and you see your mom walking down the hallway? Not crawling, walking down the hallway. And she's pale with blonde hair. Like, what do you, what, what do you do? And you know, you know that not only yesterday was she heavily made up with the brown hair, but that's all your memories of her. But as you kind of overcome the shock, you figure maybe she had a makeover, and then you're like, no, she's actually a blonde woman, a pale, pale-skinned pale blonde woman. You start to kind of freak out, and when you look at all the photos of your mother in the house, every photo of her ever, she's blonde with pale skin. And it's like everyone in the world, at this point, even your friend, is saying, no, your mom's always been blonde. You've been freaking out about this for a while. But, like, and would you even verbally say anything? If you woke up tomorrow and there's such a big change, it would probably freak you out. But I think this something in the back of our mind would be, if I tell people that I have a different mom now, they'll lock me up. They'll, t- they'll lock me up. That's insane. And I think a lot of people would just believe the lie. Like, it would totally mess with your head. Don't get me wrong. It would totally, totally freak you out. And you would think, just like sometimes people who are innocent, who get arrested, they're like, well, I'm innocent, so I can talk to the cops freely, and I don't need a lawyer, and oh, no, I got arrested, but I can totally explain this to a jury, because I'm innocent, then clearly they'll listen to reason, and then you're doing, you know, 25 years. And you were innocent, you didn't murder that man with a brick, but for whatever reason, the cops think you did, and the jury believed the... uh, prosecutor and and it happens and i think there are people who go well i I know that my mother was not a blonde woman and she wasn't blonde in all of these photos so maybe if i clearly tell people that they will believe me and and you will get sent to a mental institution the more you keep pressing it they'll lock you up so i think most people there would be this shock you would feel like you were going insane And eventually you would have to start to believe the lie if you just wanted to have any peace in the world. But it would be a lie. You would know deep down that something drastic had been modified in the world. And everybody believes that it was always this way, but you know the truth. You know it would be really trippy (laughs) You know what would be really trippy, though? We'll wrap it up like this. Is you've now come to believe the lie. Your mother is a blonde woman, pale skin. Whatever. Like, you just can't change things. And one day that you're sitting in your room, and someone comes in, your older brother, and you're like, Johnny, what are you doing? You didn't even knock. And he sits down on your bed, and he starts to pet your head. And you're like, Johnny, knock it off! And he gets up and leaves. And then you're walking around the house. And you go and you sit on the couch to watch some television. And your dad goes, good boy. And you're like, wait, what? 
It's kind of insulting. You get up and you leave. And then you come into the kitchen and you're like, I'm hungry. When's dinner? And your mom has these place settings. But your pale mom with blonde hair, you're like, I don't even like looking at her anymore. She has these place settings set out. And you realize there's only enough plates for your mom, your dad, and your older brother. And then there's a plate on the ground. And you're like, what? And then... And then it's time to go to bed. And you go to walk to your bedroom and you realize there's no door there. It's just a wall. And you're like, what? What? Huh? Where's all my stuff? Where's all my stuff? I I just bought a new iPod. I left it in my room. Huh? And your mom goes, be quiet. We're trying to go to sleep. And you're kind of looking around in panic. You have no idea what's going on. And you like run up to your mom. You're like, mom, mom, my door disappeared. <laughs> think that was possible how did my door disappear overnight and all of a sudden your dad comes out of the room with a rolled up newspaper and starts hitting you on the head and kicking you in the butt until you run outside in fear and then you hear the door lock behind you and then all of a sudden you're a dog (laughs) you're a dog you're like you're just like a golden retriever and you see this house you see this dog house in the backyard with this sign on it that says maggie (laughs) <laughs> you're just walking around your dog now because i mean technically why not if you can shift from one human to another if reality is that tenuous really what if you were a human but then you shifted to reality where you were a dog and you slowly walk into your dog house and you put your paws under your chin and go It's possible, right? Could it be any less likely in a world where a photograph can change, where a memory can change, where reality can change at any minute, big or small? Who's to say what the rules are? Who's to say what the limits are? Who's to decide whether or not you are a human who misses her mom or a dog who misses being human? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy a true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. 
Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.